Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, enriching data to unlock value for constituents and firewalls to support global operations. It's Thursday, April 6, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Department of Veterans Affairs is delaying the rollout of its Oracle Cerner-operated electronic health record system at the agency's Saginaw Health System in Michigan. Network Director Laura Ruzik said in an internal memo to staff that VA leadership came to the decision following an ongoing assess and address period. The network was previously scheduled to deploy the IT system in June. The Defense Innovation Unit has a new director, and the role is being elevated within the Defense Department. Doug Beck, formerly a vice president with Apple, reporting directly to CEO Tim Cook, will lead DIU, and with his hire, he will report directly to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. The DIU director previously reported to the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering. Beck previously worked at DIU from 2015 to 2019, when he founded and led the unit's joint reserve component. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. The first ever CrowdStrike government summit is now just a few days away. Learn how cybersecurity leaders at the White House, the Department of Defense, CISA, and more are leveraging different capabilities, tactics, and technologies that will protect their agency and power their efficiency. It's all happening this coming Tuesday, April 11th at the Washington, D.C. Marriott Marquis. I'll be there, and I hope you will be too. You can learn more and register for the event at govsummit.crowdstrike.com. Government agencies are undertaking an unprecedented period of IT and application modernization. Efforts to effectively collect, manage, and analyze vast volumes of data have placed tremendous challenges on IT officials to manage multi-pronged IT modernization initiatives. Barbara Cooper-Jones is Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at the Department of Housing and Urban Development's Ginny May. In this interview with my Scoop News Group colleague Wyatt Cash, Cooper-Jones explains the biggest challenges her agency faces in managing the rising volume of data. So certainly we do have challenges in managing data, um, but we try to do it in a very disciplined um, manner. One of the things that we are addressing is the data that we need to Um, really integrate and augment our existing data. We need other agency data. In order for us to do that, we certainly have to have a memorandum of understanding of how we are going to use that shared data. They also will have to understand how we plan to use um, their data. So we do that and um, we want to make sure that we have the legal authority to use their data in the way that we need um, to leverage that information. Um, Another challenge we have is, you know, I always think of data in its purest sense is not as meaningful as it needs to be. So we need to enrich that data um, so that it really is information that our um, executives and um, our constituents and our internal stakeholders um, can use to have greater insight Um, understand greater patterns, um, and understand other trends. So really enriching data so that it's information. And I think the last challenge is one that every organization continues to wrestle with, and that's under the umbrella of data quality um, and really data governance. And we continue to make investments there. 
And then um, kind of a related point, how are you approaching the demands for data to move more freely and dynamically across cloud environments uh, in, in and external to uh, Ginny May? Yeah, well, the cloud certainly has presented an awesome opportunity for us, especially um, in the world of, of analytics. So um, we have a cloud center of excellence here um, at Jenny May, and that group is made up of different practitioners around um, Jenny May, um, some of our um, external partners that we need um, to help us in that area. And we look to them to help us make you know, good decisions um, in the cloud as it relates to um, areas of analytics and other areas of data that we need to explore. Um, we other we, of course, we have other guardrails um, in place to ensure that we're doing the right thing in, um, in our um, cloud environment. And even though you said, I believe you said multi-cloud, we have a single cloud platform, but certainly multi-cloud, hybrid cloud um, for a lot of our other types of, um, of operations. And, um, you know, we have also um, many in, within our organization that um, really want self-service or self-analytics or want to be self-served by these analytics. Um, and so we have programs in place to help with that. Um, we've got uh, a tremendous focus on data literacy. Um, and um, if you combine all of that with a lot of the visionary work we've done around analytics, I think ultimately that puts us in um, a good place. And that analytics vision really is all about having the right data to the right people at the right time. Absolutely. And then I'd be remiss in not asking, where are you focusing your efforts to protect the security of all that data? Again, moving between various systems in Ginny May and then you know, to uh, entities operating outside Ginny May. Yeah, um, we have a large ecosystem and our ecosystem consists of a number of external parties, third parties, um, lenders and issuers that we um, need to obviously transact our business, um, help us support our, our business. And they have their own systems and they have their own data. But we have government rules and we have um, contractual um, requirements that we place upon them. Um, they have to adhere to that. We have a continuous monitoring program. Um, we have a, an IV and V um, program. These are all things that work collectively to ensure that um, we are doing the right thing with data and they as our data providers are also doing um, the right thing with data. Um, and so as we continue to enhance um, our cyber awareness and our cyber programs, um, we really look to those parties and a broader ecosystem to help us ensure that we meet um, those sets of requirements. And then um, in light of how rapidly technology is changing, I have to imagine that's another challenge for you and your team. How are you trying to strike a balance between achieving economies of scale and yet preserving flexibility and choice as you move forward with IT modernization? Yeah, quite a challenge, but one of the things that we are fostering and embracing in our um, business transformation journey is that of design 
flexibility, architectural design flexibility. The technology is so much better today than it certainly was decades ago when I was designing um, a system. And because this technology is so, so sophisticated today, it truly allows us to have greater design flexibility. And it is, it is because of that, the balance of design and the balance of the best in breed technologies, this is where we're truly able to make those tremendous slides. And as we wrap up, I'm curious to get your views on what you think the state of relations are these days between agencies and technology partners. Have, have they gotten stronger, those relations, and more productive? And what would help unlock greater value in those relations? Yeah, well, Wyatt, I can only speak for my interactions um, with um, my providers um, and, and within my agency. I definitely don't want to speak um, beyond that. But my observation here is that um, we look to our providers, our external providers, as an extension of what we need to do and um, how we do things. And we engage them very, very early in the process. Um, our relations are, I think the relationships are strong. Um, I'm, I'm proud of those relationships. I invest a lot of social capital <laughs> into those relationships and those interactions. And I would say that those external service providers try to uh, provide the same level of, of social interaction and social um, impact and capital. Um, I think it is great. Um, we tell um, our contractors, service providers, and strategic partners all the time, we understand that some of you are actually competitors of each other. And that is okay, but when you are in the walls of Jenny May, there is no competition. You all can respectfully, you know, leave your secret sauce where it needs to be. But um, when you are here, we are all working for the good of the taxpayer and we must be united in how we do that. And I can tell you, I've never had um, an issue at all in working with them. I consider it an honor and a privilege because in the end, they know that their success is our success and our success is their success. Well, I think that's a very enlightened approach and probably evidence of why uh, I think Jenny May gets credit for doing a lot of things right with IT. Uh, so Barbara Cooper-Jones, uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share your insights with us and some of the things that you're doing in the way of best practices for IT modernization at Ginny May. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Have a good one. You too. You can learn more about Ginny May's IT modernization journey at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Coming on Tuesday's episode of the Daily Scoop podcast, the White House's plan for supply chain integrity. Devin Lynch, Director of Supply Chain and Technology Security in the Office of the National Cyber Director, joins me to discuss the partnerships across government and industry to secure the software supply chain. That show debuts Tuesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your podcasts. IT modernization and digital transformation efforts across the Department of the Air Force are moving the department towards a multi-cloud environment. Air Force Chief Information Security Officer Aaron Bishop is tasked with securing that environment for airmen across the world. I recently spoke with Bishop, and in his highlight from our conversation, he tells me about the landscape of his organization's cyber defense. It, it kind of aligns with what's going on in not only cloud, but zero trust architectures as well. Um, Firewalls and 
packet inspection is a key aspect to layers in defense, but it is no longer the bastion protection of a perimeter. Um, where is a boundary is now the question of the hour. Is it the network I control? Is it the cloud instance that I control? Is it the application I control? The reality is it's all of these plus where the data is. And so as we start thinking through what is a firewall, what is our perimeter, I challenge all of my authorizing officials to look at where's the boundary I'm trying to protect and when the data that I am protecting within it. If I need to move that data, I need to understand where that protections go with that data. And so therein lies the change uh, in the evolution of the firewalls and perimeter defense thoughts. Thinking about that increased volume of traffic with all of that data and the movement of that data, what about the need to encrypt and decrypt traffic and how you're reshaping your view of what modern firewalls might need to accomplish with that in mind? Great question. Encryption is a huge challenge for everyone. And obviously with an organization at my scale, it's a massive problem as well. Encrypting traffic uh, is key for uh, confidentiality and uh, being able to say I've got the data protected while in transit, as well as encryption at rest. But the issue then becomes, as I'm moving that data around, does the encryption go with it? Do I encrypt between the two? And is, is that sufficient, uh, aka a tunnel, a VPN, or something along those lines? Or is it something that I need to worry about from a perspective of, uh, is it just random encryption that's used in a particular application or software package? Or do I need to build custom in a hardened encryption. And then there's the final thing we think about, which is um, if it's encryption we provided, that's a good thing. But if it's encryption someone else provides, is that a good thing? You know, is that nefarious or is it just unknown? And so now we have to inventory all our encryption and understand is it ours or is it someone else's and for what purposes? So there's a lot that we have to worry about from a firewall inspection and from a, just an inventory and accountability perspective. Where are you seeing your infrastructure and security modernization efforts paying off with maybe a stronger or my, more dynamic perimeter? So I think everyone understands that you know, we've got a huge environment. It has lots of technology deployed. And during uh, the life cycle of technology, you've got to upgrade and maintain and patch as well as replace you know, outdated technology. And in doing so, we're trying to leverage our normal cycle plus a, a heightened focus on software-defined WANs and networking, extending that networking in order to figure out you know, where do we need to continue to invest. Now, for us, think of it this way. The Department of the Air Force has over 150 little cities around the world we operate. It has a hospital, it has an airport, it has you know everything around it from a security perspective, including communication, utilities, um, and being able to update that infrastructure is great. But as a warfighting mission, I also have to extend that capability beyond that base. So now my networks have to go into expeditionary communications and extended aerial networks, et cetera. Now I need to understand what, are, where is that perimeter? Where do I protect it? Where do I pass it on to the next environment that may or may not be there today or tomorrow? 
Very interesting. Uh, Aaron, as we close out, uh, zero trust is obviously a, a topic that is very uh, important to many right now. And I'm curious how government zero trust objectives, particularly around network, network environments, are reshaping the Air Force's top security priorities for the coming year. So as I've said, as you think of um, the technology refresh, you think about the, the focused objectives on being able to control the networks, not only locally, but also as we extend them. Those are the characteristics of our zero trust implementation plan that you know we're focused on. There are many parts to zero trust and zero trust isn't a thing. It's uh, the, the operational paradigm of what we do with different layers of the stack, whether it's data and data tagging, whether it's ICAM and access control, whether it's software defined networking, so we know who's on the network and what are those attributes, how do we push them out. For us in the network environments, we're really spending our energies on our environments that are not only local, but then extended to the field. And how do we map, plan, and field all of those capabilities required to do the missions we've been asked to do. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for spending the time with us today to share the Air Force's security priorities. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You can learn more about the Air Force's cybersecurity posture at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast in the platform of your choice, thanks. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. We'll talk to you again Tuesday afternoon. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.